God, why don't you tell your neighbor tonight that's close to you, say, I'm so glad you're in church tonight. Glad that you're in the house of the Lord. We're so glad to have each and every one to the house of God on this Thursday night. Appreciate you being here. I do want to say that I have tried to make it a commitment to make sure we don't hold you just super long. I mean, the Spirit of God begins to move. We'll let Him do what He wants. But I realize people have to work the next day, and in some cases tonight. And we want to be mindful of everybody's uh, time. And and uh, and we're thankful that you're here because we know that those who come, it has been historical in all churches, but I have seen it specifically in this church, that those who come to the midweek service are those who... Uh, we can mostly depend on. Now, that's not the only ones. I know there's others that can't make it for midweek, but I know when people will go out of their way to come to church on a midweek when they work and they're going to work the next day. I do not take that for granted, and I thank you, and I appreciate you taking your time and being in the house of God tonight. Amen. So we're thankful that you are here. I'm going to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 6, tonight, verse 3. Um, you know, I love the Word of God. It is it's so powerful, the Word of God. Romans 6 and verse 3. These are some very good verses. And um, it be my launching pad tonight. Romans 6, 3 through 7 is what I'll be reading. And um, the Word of the Lord says... Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall, also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is free from sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Lord, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the opportunity to be in the house, Lord. Thank you for all that's here. Thank you for what you will do tonight, God. And I just pray that you open our hearts and spirits to receive, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a good hand you're seated. I know I've said this repeatedly, but this is the brunt of why I am doing what I've been doing on these Thursday nights. It's my personal opinion that many do not know their why or the importance of why we should live for God. It's not just a good ideal to live for God. It is a good ideal, but it's not just a good ideal. It's not just a cool place to come hang out. And we hope you think it's a good place to come and hang out. But living for God is more than coming here. It's an every day thing. So 24 hour, 7 days a week. We don't come to church to check a name off. We live for God daily because we're striving to make eternity our home. 
And many people don't understand why we should live for God. And I think that's why it, we have a multitude of Christians that spend a lifetime struggling in their walk with God. Because they don't understand why they're doing this in the first place. Let me say once again the quote Simon Sinek when he said that the why is the purpose, cause, or belief that drives every one of us. If we're going to live for God, we've got to know why we're living for God and why we do what we do. We all have that why, but unfortunately that why is so many times unfocused or is focused on the wrong thing. I have been the victim of that many times. Um, my why becomes something that's trivial or something that's temporal or something that's fleshly, and when I received it, my reward was not too great. But if our why is eternity, I promise you we'll, we will not be disappointed when we get there. And that is why I have started this midweek series that I have called this series itself is This Is Why. Last week, or the week before when we had service, we didn't have service last Thursday because um, anniversary service of my brother's church was, was there, but I talked about it's why I repent. So tonight, I'm going to kind of continue that trend along with this is this is why I am baptized. And if I could go farther with it, this is why I preach baptism. It's why I believe that baptism is a necessity in our lives. And before you think it's just another baptism sermon and we've been baptized, let's just all check that off our list and go on. Hear me out. It was 34 years ago this month after I had repented in the Madisonville Technical School that I spoke about last Thursday, the last Thursday we talked about this, that I made my way to the big St. Charles Lake in the big town of St. Charles, Kentucky. And I was baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. And to be honest, as a 16-year-old young man, I didn't really know the significance of why I was being baptized. And especially since it was the second time that I had been baptized or was going to be baptized. Because as a younger man, as you heard me talk about it, uh, the, last, the last one of these on this, uh, I had strayed away from God. And um, I had been filled with the Holy Ghost at nine got baptized. I don't even remember when and where that was particular. But at 16, after being back in a backslidden state, it was what I had been taught to do. If you was in a backslidden state and you came back to God, you were to do your first works all over again. And that's what I'd done. After I realized that I'd really need to repent, I talked about that last time, and I, I repented that September. I wish I'd wrote some of these dates down. I didn't do it. But I do know it was September of 1987. We went to St. Charles Lake, and I was baptized. Didn't really know the scope of what was happening in my life at that time. And I think that is the case with so many people when they're baptized. They don't understand the scope of what's really happening to you when you are baptized was raised in church, 
and just knew when somebody repented for the first time or after being away from God in a backslidden state, I just knew we was to get baptized. So I did. I would like to tell you that I became the perfect young man after that. But that is far from the truth. <laughs> you can ask my wife if you don't believe me. I had a lot of issues. I still have a lot of issues, and I'm still working on them. Nevertheless, as the text says today in Romans 6 and 4, I was buried with him by baptism into death. And I truly felt like the old life was done away with. I truly felt like I had uh, at that place in my life in 1987 that I had made a change in my life and I wasn't going to be that person I was before that uh, moment of repentance in my life. And I knew that I needed to get baptized and get those sins washed away from my life. And from that point, I have never wanted to go back to that lifestyle. I can honestly say today, I've never wanted to go back and become that person I was at 16 years old that was that hypocrite and was not uh, living like he should have been living, but I was going to church, doing whatever, and, and going to school and being whatever. I didn't want to be that person no more. I wanted that person buried. I understood that much. That old man had died, and I needed that, that person that I was. I wanted buried. I wanted it dead. Because that's what repentance is. You die out to an old lifestyle. And baptism is supposed to be. You bury that, that life. Symbolically looking, you bury that life. But it was not until probably nine years later, 1996. And I know I'm aging myself here. And I'm, I'm not young. These young people tell you that. I'm 50. I'm embracing. I'm okay with that. I realize that I'm. Not young. And that's okay because that means I'm smarter than I was when I was 16. I've learned a lot since then. But it was not to the year of 1996 when I would truly begin to understand the importance and the power of being baptized. That was the same year that we had our first son, Jakin. 1996. I would truly begin to understand that importance. It's also the same year that I finally accepted my call to preach. So I began to dig in the Word for myself. Not just somebody telling me that, oh, you've, you've repented now, you need to be baptized. Because now that I'm going to be preaching, I'm going to be teaching and telling people how to live. I need to know why I'm telling them, what am I going to say? You need to be baptized. Well, why? Uh... You're the old man? <laughs> Somebody's going to look at you like, that's weird. So I began to dig in the Word myself. It also was the year 1996 when I finished reading my Bible through for the very first time. That same year, I, I know that I, I, this, this, is, this, this series I'm doing here, I'm saying this, this is why. I'm, I'm telling you some of my testimony of why I do what I do, Okay. So it was the same year that a guy was hired at my workplace. It was unique to me because I'd never worked with anybody else that was of my same faith. And they hired a Pentecostal preacher who began to stretch my way of thinking about the Bible a whole lot. He was older than me, and 
uh, he, he stressed my way of thinking about the little things in, in, in church that I took for granted all my life because I was just raised that way. That's just the way we've done it. And you see, Benny, he was several years older than me. And he didn't care to engage with other people in conversations with people who were said they were Christians but had not embraced the full scope of what being an apostolic Pentecostal was all about. Benny, he took it a little farther and he began to ask them questions like, oh yeah, you've been baptized? Well, how are you baptized? Was you baptized in the name of Jesus? Or, or you, oh, you're a Christian and, and uh, have you been baptized yet? Because there's a lot of Christians who's, uh, they say they're Christians, they've repented, but yet they've never been baptized. Okay? So begin, Benny began to talk to those other people in the shop about the importance of being baptized. And more importantly, the importance of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Through that experience, I dug into the Word. Because it, it inspired me. It, 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 it made this something inside of me just like, I, I want to know. I don't want to just say I, I, I'm, I get baptized because uh, uh, that's what we're supposed to do. Or I get baptized in the name of Jesus because I go to a Pentecostal church or a oneness church. I wanted to be able to tell somebody. Hey, open the book up or quote it from here and say, this is why I'm baptized. This is why I'm baptized in the name of Jesus. And I begin to dig in the Word. And, and I begin to listen to Him and, and, and listen to other things. That's when my love for preaching began to develop. Because before that time, I really, you know what, I couldn't tell you what, what maybe the preachers had said to in sermons and things like that. But that's when I begin to have a, a develop a hunger to really to want to know more about the Word of God. And, and Benny challenged me. And, it, and, and now that I, I'll talk to guys at work and we'll engage in conversations. And I've had some pretty intense conversations with some guys. I had this one guy that, that uh, uh, he's a great guy. His name was Ronnie, another faith. And, and we'd sit down and we, we would have an opportunity to talk about and we'd talk about baptism a whole lot. And I, and I, I, I tried my best Hey, look, man, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, no, no, we can't do that. And we go through all the different things about Jesus' name and that he would do, but he would not embrace. He wouldn't talk about the oneness of God. It looks exactly the same from his point of view to mine, but he would not embrace being baptized in Jesus' name. So this inspired me to go to that. And, and, and through this thing with Benny, it gave me the privilege of baptizing my foreman his wife, and his mother-in-law, all in the name of Jesus. I had the privilege of doing that, praise God, because I got an understanding of what it, my experience of why I am baptized. So that is my initial experience with baptism and why I was baptized in the name of Jesus. And now since that time, I've learned much about the power and the necessity of baptism. Because baptism is not just something that you're supposed to do. We are supposed to get baptized. If you've repented and you're going to call yourself a Christian, you need to get baptized. It is the equivalent, alright, of the, it is the equivalent of you splitting your life in half, killing the bad part, throwing it over your back, and walking around with something dead hanging on you. When something dies, you bury it or it begins to stink. So it's important that we understand the necessity that baptism 
is a must in our world. If you want to know why I preach baptism as a much, this is why I'm here today. And there would be so many who would say, you don't even have to get baptized. And if you do, it sure don't matter how you are baptized. So, why even worry about it, right? There's so many people now that claim to be a Christian. And they've never been baptized. If the Word of God says that, let's be okay with it, right? But I have an issue with it. Because Mark 16, 15 and 16 says, this is red letter, Jesus. He said to them, go you to all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel, let me remind you, is this. The good news that Jesus died for your sins, Jesus was buried for your sins, and Jesus was resurrected for your sins. The gospel is not just that Jesus died for your sins. It is all three elements of that. He died, He was buried, and He was resurrected. If we leave any of that out, it is not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel is a threefold. It takes repentance, which is a type of Jesus' dying. It takes baptism, which is a type of Jesus being buried in that tomb. And it takes the Holy Ghost, which is a type of Him resurrecting from the grave. It takes all three of those things to really, truly fulfill the gospel in your life. So Jesus said, you go everywhere and you preach the gospel to every creature. He says this, he that believeth shall be saved. Is that what the word says? That's what a lot of people want to say it says. But it says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now, if he had left that alone, you might have a loophole. But he put more to that verse. And he that believeth not shall be damned. In reality, I should not have to read any more Bible to let us know why I was baptized and why I preached that you must be baptized. That should be proof enough right there. If, if, as a matter of fact, as I said, it's red letters. And Jesus' words is red letters, right? Which means a lot to those who try to prove biblical truth wrong. You ever notice that? People say, well, that's in red letter. Jesus wrote that. Actually, the apostles wrote that about Jesus, and they just highlighted it in red to let you know that that was the words of Jesus. But in reality, he wrote it all. He's the author of all the books. But that should settle it. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But let's go farther today because I want you to know why I preach the necessity. And if you're sitting here today and you've never been baptized, you need to understand the importance of being baptized. Okay? So the last message preached by Jesus was a command to baptize. Go and preach baptism. It's the last command that he had. Matthew 28, 19. Going to all the world, preach, baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The first message preached by the apostles as a result of that command was for everyone to be baptized in Acts 2.38. When Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the singular name of what? Jesus, for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. See, just believing alone will not save a person, but you must believe and be baptized. Let me give you a few reasons why I baptize, why I am baptized, and why I push baptism. Number one, baptism is in the plan of salvation, as I just said. 
It's in the plan of salvation. And there are so many reasons why baptism is an absolute necessity. But let me just give you a few tonight. I could give you plenty. But let me just give you a few. Number one, John 3, 5 says, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay, now let's listen to that. Let me say that slow. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot, if I say cannot, yeah. enter into the kingdom of God. Most Bible commentaries and nearly everybody got Matthew Henry, Adam Clark, the historical Christian church, uh, Walker, Catholic Encyclopedia, Oxford Dictionary of the Church, the Interpreter's Dictionary of the Bible, Temple's Bible Dictionary. They all agree that water here means baptism. So if Jesus, again, here's what Jesus saying, except the man is born again of the water, that's baptism, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Let me break that down for you, okay? According to both these scriptures I've just given you, if you've said you've repented, but you've not been baptized, according to these scriptures, you're not going to heaven. That's not me. This is this, okay? That's why I preach this. How powerful is that? It's, it's, I mean, he's the ultimate judge, okay? He's the one that says it. But according to what Jesus said, if you believe and been baptized, you, you can be saved. Otherwise... No. And then John 3, 5 said, he, he takes it farther. Water and spirit. Yeah. All right? Again, Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus puts baptism in a combination with salvation. He ties it in together. Peter, in 1 Peter 3, 21, he says, The like figure warranted even baptism doth also now save us. When he's comparing how Knowing them went through the water, and that was part of what saved them. All right? The, the second thing here is Hebrews 9.22 said, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Hebrews 9.22 is letting us know that the purpose of the blood of Jesus Christ is necessary to remit or get rid of sin. And in baptism is where we take the blood of Jesus into our life. Now, what is the biblical way to receive remission of sins? The answer to the question, it, it, the only way to get the Savior's blood in life, we find Luke 24, 47. Jesus, again, saying, that repentance and of what? Remissions of sins should be preached in his name. What did Peter do on that, on that first day that he preached? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. For what? For the remissions of your sin. So when we're baptized... See, I didn't understand the whole scope of this when I was 16 and got baptized. You might not understand the whole scope of it when you got baptized for the first time. Unless you went through a good extensive Bible study that convinced you, oh, you need to be baptized. At 16, being raised in the church all my life, I didn't know it. I didn't understand it. But when I realized I got to start preaching this to people, I got to know when I, I got to know and understand because there's so much more to the, the facet of baptism. Matter of fact, you could go you could go all the way through the Word of God, and there are so many types and shadows of what repentance, baptism, and Holy Ghost is all the way through the Word of God. I'll talk about a little bit of that before I get done here. But repent, baptize everyone in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. So the blood of Jesus is applied only. Through water baptism in the name of Jesus. 
The way you're going to get the name of Jesus, the blood on you, is when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. You take on the blood in your life. Another important reason why baptism is important because because it when we're baptized it says it baptizes us into the church. Every New Testament church was formed by those who were baptized into the faith after believing and after repenting. Galatians three twenty seven says, "For many of you as have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ." First Corinthians twelve thirteen says, "For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body." Whether we be of Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink in one spirit. What am I saying? I'm saying that. You see an instance where everybody was baptized, a church emerged. A church was created. We'll see it all the way through the Word of God. Acts 2 and, 40, Acts 2 and 41, after Peter preached that, the church of Jerusalem, 3,000 people was added to the church after receiving the Word of God, and 3,000 people received the, uh, was baptism. Received baptism. A church was birthed. The church of Samaria. They believed and were baptized. Men and women. That's Acts 12 and 16. The church of Caesarea. Peter commanded them to be baptized. This is us Gentiles. Acts 10, 48. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And a church immersed uh, happened out of there. The church of Philippi. Acts 16, 14 through 33. The Philippian, the Philippian jailer was baptized. All right? And a church emerged. The Philippine church emerged out of there. The church of Corinth. Paul preached Acts 18 and 8 and they were believed and baptized. And a church came out of Corinth because somebody was baptized. Alright? I'm not done with it. The church of Ephesus. Paul rebaptized them in Jesus' name. Acts 19, 1 through 6. He rebaptized them because they had been baptized in John's baptism. And they said, hey, hey, that's not good enough. John's baptism brought them into it. Now then, you need to take on the name of Jesus. So he rebaptized them in the name of Jesus. And the church of Ephesus was burnt there. The church of Galatia. I just read that scripture a while ago in Galatians 3 and 27. Paul, uh, Paul preached Christ to them and the church of Galatia was created there. Colossians 2 and 12. They were buried with Christ in baptism and the church of Colossia was started there. The church at Rome. They died to sin. That's my opening text here today. In Romans 6 1 4. That's where the Roman church was birthed because people died out to sin and they were baptized and a church was immersed. Amen. That's the importance. Here's the importance of baptism. The text tonight. Romans 6, 3 through 7 that, I, that I've read. We are buried with Him. Who are we buried with here? Jesus. Somebody say that again. Jesus. We're buried with Jesus. So if we're buried with Jesus, it would make sense that we would be buried with His name. Right? Right? Buried with His name. Not the Father. Not the Son that's not named. Not the Holy Ghost. There were titles. Buried in the name. Which is Jesus. Alright? By one Spirit, we're baptized into one body. We are the children of God. If we've been baptized into Christ, that makes us Sons of adoption, according to Galatians 4 and 5. We are buried with Him through baptism. Somebody say baptism. 
Why am I baptized? Number one, it's a command of the Word of God. He said, get baptized. It's a command. That's number one. First and foremost, that's why I got baptized at 16, when I didn't understand the whole scope of it. Because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. Get baptized. It's a command. The second reason that I'm baptized, because it washes away my sins. Okay? Number one, I've been told to, so I do it. The second one, this is how I get my sins washed away. You know all them sins that you've done all your life when you come to God and you, you go and you repent, you pour out your heart and say, Oh God, I'm sorry for all this lifestyle that I'm living. I'm sorry for that's what I'd done when I was 16. When I went in front of that mirror, I'd cry and say, God, I don't want to be that man I was no more. I don't want to be that hypocrite. Lord, help me get me, get me away from the smoking uh, dope, the drugs, the alcohol, any of that stuff. Get me away from it. And I left all that behind. But I had to do something with it. So, I washed them away with baptism. Alright? And then, in that whole process, it also took the blood of Jesus and covered me. Because when you take the name, you take the blood of Jesus. I'm not trying to be nasty, but you have to hear this, okay? When a man and woman are married, and they... They, they come together on their marriage night in that intimate moment. Blood is intermingled. They take the, the woman, the bride takes on the man's name. And you know we have a generation right now that fights all of that, right? They're fighting this gender identity stuff because they hate the name. Because it, it, it separates us from everything else in this world. It separates us. The church is supposed to take on the name. Just as uh, I know if you have an issue with all this stuff, I'm sorry. This is founded on Jesus Christ and the Word of God. The woman is supposed to take on the name of the man. And this is what happens when you baptize in Jesus' name. You're taking on the name and the blood begins to cover you. We're the church. We're the bride. We take that name on. The importance of the blood applied to my life. I didn't understand the scope of it at 16. But Sister Janet, here's the scope of the blood covering my life. This is why you need to get baptized in, in the name of Jesus. Because part of it is the blood begins to cover your life when you're baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. And when the blood covers you, the devil hates the sight of blood. Amen. He hates the sight of Jesus' blood. He reminds him of his past. He reminds him of his future. And he reminds him that that child that I thought I had right there, I can't see them no more because they're covered in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Right? What's the big deal about being covered in the blood? Colossians 3, 2 and 3. Set your affections on things above, not on things of earth. For you are dead. So what happens when you're dead? Then your life is hid with Christ and God. How does your life get hid in Christ and God? When you're baptized in the name of Jesus and the blood is applied, then you're hid in Christ. 
I am baptized in His name, praise God, and I'm hid by the blood. And the devil's looking for me and he can't find me because I'm hid inside of Christ through the blood of Jesus that comes through baptism in the name of Jesus. Alright? Now, let me take this farther. I'm baptized in His name because the Bible says so. I'm baptized... In the name of Jesus, to wash away and remit my sins, to get rid of them. I'm baptized, calling on the name of Jesus, which is the one and only true God. That's why I'm baptized in His name, okay? That's another sermon that I will cover later. I'm not going to get all the specifics of, of that, but I, I, I promise you, I've, I've got a story to tell about why I believe there's one God, I promise you. And, and when I baptize in that name, that blood of Jesus is applied to my life. And I'm hid from the devil. Because I want to take this now and begin to start to wrap this up. I'll talk about the Holy Ghost because it's important. Because once I get hid in that blood, I need something to seal it off. And that's what the Holy Ghost does. It seals me to the day of redemption. I'll cover that in another one. But let me talk a little bit more about this baptism. I told Jake, and I wished I'd give you two titles to put up there. I didn't think about it after I'd done saying it. I knew it was probably too late. But I, I, let me give you, it's going to be a, a dual title here as I, I wrap this up tonight. The Old Testament, they had a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, that's where they went to worship God. In that tabernacle, they had furniture inside of it. It is a type and shadow of repentance. Okay, It's a type and shadow of the gospel. You've heard me, those who have been here a while, you've heard me say this many, many times. You have the first thing you see is the altar. That's where they've done the sacrifice. That's a type of you and I repenting to our sins. The next thing you see was the labor. That's where the priest would go wash their hands, all the blood they got on it, get rid of the blood, get rid of the stink. Then they had the holies of holy, that's where they were shooting for, that's where the Holy Ghost represents, that's the type of baptism, repentance, uh, bab uh, repentance, baptism, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. The second thing is what I want to concentrate here for just a second. The second piece of furniture was a labor. Now here's the thing. Last week I talked about repentance. We all have an initial repentance moment when we come to God. Right? We repent. We baptize. The Lord fills with the Holy Ghost. But we're not perfect. Now maybe y'all are. Since my time initially being repenting, I've messed up. I've sinned. And thankful that the Word of God, as I said last time in the one on repentance, I can go and say, Lord, forgive me. And He forgives me again. What do I do with those sins? Do I continue to get baptized every time after I do that? Not in a watery grave. But in my opinion, yes. Every day you can continue to be baptized. 
Hear me out. The second piece of furniture is called the laver, which is a type of baptism in Jesus' name. Not only is it a type of baptism, if we look at the tabernacle, we see, that, we see the whole layout, the cross, the labor. It's also placed in a place where the side of Jesus would be. If you look at it in the scope of a cross, have you ever seen the tabernacle? The labor is placed about where they stuck the uh, sword into Jesus and the water and the blood begin to flow out. Just like you see the representation of what baptism is supposed to be. The blood covers you and the water's inside of it. It's the exact type replica of what we see in our life. So we see this. This is what happened, okay, with the labor. It's going to be a little gross, but this is how it worked. They'd take their bull, they'd take their goat, they'd take whatever it was that was for the sacrifice, and they would go and they'd put it on that altar. Sometimes they'd have to tie it down. It would still be alive, whatever. They'd take their knife, they would slay that animal. That was their sacrifice for the sins, okay? That is a type of you and I. The altar is a bloody place for us, okay? Not physically. We don't actually see blood. But we go through some... We should... Real repentance, we should go through some processes that's hard on us, okay? It, it's, it, it kills the old fleshly person. That is a type of that first article, which is uh, um, that, that altar. But then, once they got done slaying that animal, okay, you got to envision taking a, a cow or a goat, and you're trying to cut its neck, it's kicking, flying, blood's going everywhere. It's a mess. Bethany's like, got the sad lift going on. But this is how they covered their sin. Okay? Say you, you messed up. You, you, uh, you killed somebody. And now then you got to take your goat and you're, you take it to the priest. You pretty little goat. And you give it to the priest you, or your best sheep, whatever it may be. And you give it to him. And he's got to take it to that altar and he kills that thing and blood's all over the place. Well, he can't go into the holies of holy with his blood all over him. He's got to do something about it. So the, he created this laver, and he would go to this laver, and this laver had the water there, and he would begin to wash the blood. That was the whole purpose of it. He'd wash the blood off his body. He'd get rid of all the blood off of him before he could be presentable enough to go into the holies of holy and present himself to the Lord and have this kind of glory come down and, and hit where he was at. So this is what the purpose of the labor was, okay? And he'd go up there and he would begin to wash. It's where the priest would begin to prepare to go farther and get closer to the presence of God. Just like baptism is for us. It's to prepare us to get closer to the presence of God. That's the whole purpose of baptism, okay? Initially. But what about every day after that? Alright? They had to wash their hands. Had to get rid of all this stuff. They had to get clean. We get clean from the dying that just took place from the altar of our initial experience when we were baptized to wash away our sins. But since we're not perfect and we're going to sin again, and we're going to have to keep repenting to get rid of that sin. As I said, do we need to be baptized every day? Not physically, but my opinion, every day we need to baptize ourselves. Every day we need to repent of our sins because every day I just go ahead and do it whether I've done something or not. And usually I do. I just go ahead and say, God, search my heart and let me get it out. So now then, how do I cleanse that sin? You ready for this? Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with what? 
the washing of the water by the word. That he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. My second title that I should have put up here for this is this is why I read my Bible every day. Because reading the Bible is also equivalent to you and I baptizing and washing ourselves and getting the sins. Because this is what the verse says right here. When you read it, it sanctifies and cleanses you in washing of the Word. When they walked up, how many knows what the Word of God it talks about it being a mirror to us, right? When you read the Word of God, if we read it with a real right uh, uh, way that we should, when we read it, it reveals to us the places in our life that needs improvement or needs to be fixed, that, that, that it allows us to uh, wash away, to, to correct our sins. And this is why I think we should read our Word every day. Because when you're due, it's like being baptized all over again. The washing of the water. He goes on to say that He might present to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. This verse simply says that Jesus gave up His life by washing of the water, which is the Word of God. And we need that in our life. Hallelujah. Wait, now think about it, okay? We take on the name of Jesus in baptism, in blood. The laver is where that water and blood is mixed in that old tabernacle. But let's take it farther. What, anybody know what John 1 1 says? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Anybody know what verse 14 says? And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. What is that Word's name? Jesus. So when you begin to read the Word of God and the Word of God begins to wash your life, guess what you're doing? You're taking the name of Jesus on you all over again because you're reading the Word, you're immersing yourself in the Word of God daily and that baptism is cleaning you over and over and over and over again. Our flesh will get out of control unless we put it on the altar. And the best way, you know what? You can go to the altar... I've seen people do it all the time. You can go to the altar even after you've initial repentance and baptism and then fill in the Holy Ghost. You can keep going to the altar and keep saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. But until you see why it is wrong, you will keep on doing it. Now, Corbin back there hasn't yet. We ain't turned our fireplace on yet. But he's going to be right at the place when we turn that thing on before Christmas. He going, I can see him crawling right up to that grate and sticking his hands on it. She's going back there shaking her head no. We're going to tell him no. We're going to tell him no. But it is probably most likely it's not going to be until he sticks his hands on there and he gets out and he realizes the consequences of it to when he'll stop. Every one of us has been there, right? All right? We have, and let me just get plain here, all right? We have, kid, we have kids nowadays. We got some kids here tonight. Are they, okay, let's go get in the back seat of the car on a date. Oh, we're okay. We're not, nothing's happened. We can just keep on uh, doing our thing. And, 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 you know, we're not married, but it's all right. We'll keep fornicating. We'll keep having sexual relations with each other because we're not married. But until you realize and recognize the Word of God says that all fornicators will have their part in the lake of fire. And if you're fornicating, if you're having sex outside of marriage before, uh, before uh, if you're having sex outside of marriage and you've not been married yet and Jesus comes back according to this Word, 
you will go to hell. I don't care if you get up every day and repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry, and go back and doing it. That's not real repentance, okay? But what the Word of God does, when you read that Scripture and you've repented about that, and all of a sudden you open the Word up and say, Oh, wow. It really does say that if I'm having sex and I'm not married, that I'm going to go to hell. It should be the way that works that that thing cleanses over you and makes you realize, Wow, I need to get that out of my life. And that's the purpose of the Word of God. Every day that it would cleanse that stench out of our life. And we've got to submit to that washing of the labor every day or we will be controlled by the flesh. Every day, I got to take that man, I got to put him on the altar. If you never heard Brother James Hughes say it like this, I, I listened to him preach today and he said this. He said, At the end of the day, I have a talk with myself every day. And I say this, you were bad, in this, or actually, he says he, every morning he has, he has a talk with himself and he says, Okay, today, flesh, if you're not good, tomorrow you won't get breakfast. And he says, If it happens, then the next day, he said, Look, you wasn't good, so the next day you're not going to get breakfast or dinner. What's he doing? He's trying to bring the flesh under subjection to what the Word of God is and to the Spirit of God. Because, listen, I want Jesus to be more than just a Savior. That is the number one, and I need Him to be my Savior. I want Him to be Lord of my life, and I want Him to transform me into God's image. And this is why I am baptized. This is why I don't just preach to you that you need to be baptized, but I want to preach to you why you need to be baptized, and not only preach to you why you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus, but also baptizing yourself daily in a dose of the, of the Word of God in your life that will cleanse you and keep you living right. Listen to this. Exodus 38 and 8. And he made the labor of brass. This is the labor I'm talking about. They washed their, uh, the blood off them. He made the labor of brass. And a foot of it. A foot of the brass. It was brass. A looking glass. Of women assembling. Which assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. What's he saying? He put like looking glasses on the inside of that, that labor. So as they're washing. And they see the reflection out of that bottom of that labor. They can see if they have blood here or there. They know where they need to wash and get their life. This is the type of baptism, okay? Also the type of this Word of God. The Bible talks about how when we look in the Word of God, it becomes a looking glass. It shines back to us and shows us where, we're, where we need something different in our life. Yeah. All right, I, I, I'm about done. But here's the thing. I hope it looks like everybody did. You went and looked at a mirror before you come to church. If you didn't, we'll probably be able to tell. Now, I work in a shop full of guys. We have one lady that works there. She's a secretary, office manager, whatever she is. And I usually can tell if them guys is looking in the mirror before they come to work. Some guys come in and, and they, they, you know, they're all look, got the work uniforms on, but there's some comes in. I'm like, dude, you got the bed head and you did not even touch that head. You can tell they didn't look at it. We have a lot of people like that today in church. They're not looking into the mirror and they're missing their attitudes. They're missing 
their outward appearance. They're missing all kinds of different things about their life. When I see my natural reflection, I see what I am, okay? Just see it in reverse, okay? I see what I am, though. If there's some lettuce in my teeth, I need to deal with it or it's going to be there. Somebody else is going to see it. If there's some mud or dirt or grease on my face, I can choose to walk away and ignore it, but it's still going to be there. And this is why we need the Word of God every day to baptize us. And this is why I read my Bible every day. This is why when I finish reading my Bible this year, it'll be 21 times. This is why I've added something new to my Bible repertoire this year is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it all the way through audibly. Now, I'm not catching every bit of it, but I promise you, listening what I can while I'm at work with that in my ears is a lot better than listening to the news. It's a lot better than listening to some other garbage because I am intaking a lot of that. James 1.21 through 25 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, superfluitive, nonness, and receive the meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if ye be hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto man, beholding his natural face and glass. For beholdeth, he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way straightway, forgetting what manner of man he was. But whoso look unto the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We have a choice to be a hearer or a doer. And every day, Sister Janet, this is, this is why I push Bible reading every day. This is why I believe we need to be baptized initially. But Bible reading, I believe it will help wash and cleanse your life and keep the impurities out of your life. If you'll read your Bible every day with some sincere, not just to check off a list, and say, oh, Pastor, I read my Bible through this year, but sincerely read it to where it washes and cleanses your soul. Because it, to me, I can see it as being a type of baptism that we can do every day. John 15 and 3. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. The word will get us clean if we will use it daily. We need to bath every day, okay? We need to take a bath every day. At least wash off. Change your undergarments, something. All right? Getting all frumpy up in here. Let's do something about that. Bethany, you can come on. I'm about to be done. If we care about the natural, how much more do we need to care about the spiritual? I want God to show me what I look like. I want His Word to speak to me. And if I'm not washing myself every day with the Word, it cannot do nothing with me. And if we'll get the Word of God out and we'll read it every day, it will change us. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. If we read it, it will baptize us fresh in you every day. It will prosper. John 5, 24 says, Verily, verily, I said, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life shall not come but the word will help us pass death to life I want this book to judge me now not later I want this book to wash me now when we read the Bible we'll see things that God wants in our lives and daily his word will baptize us afresh you stand with me we're
John 8, 31 said, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples of me. I want his word to speak to me. I want his word to cleanse me. I want his word. This is why I am baptized. This is why I preach baptism. Because it's important. This is why I read my Bible every day. Because to me, every day, I'm baptizing that dead man and letting the Word of God cleanse after I have repented. It's cleansing me all over again. Today, if you're here, you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, or you have never been baptized, period, the time is now. It's now. If it's a parent that's the issue, Let your Bible 